And our gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Word of God for the people of God. So, I remember... The lectionary comes in three-year cycles. And when I started here in 2011, we were going through, we just were finishing the Gospel of Matthew and starting to go through the Gospel of Mark. And in the following year, 2012, we started the Gospel of Luke. And so it was Easter of 2013 when this passage came up for the lectionary. And Easter 2013 was also the semester that I was taking principles and practices of preaching at school. And so because I was the one in the small class that was the preaching every Sunday, they thought, well, Joel has to preach for Easter anyways, so why, don't he, why doesn't he do the, the Easter sermon for our class? And, and then, and then he, can, uh, he can just use that same sermon on that following Sunday. And I did. Uh, <laughs> and, but what happened was, that Palm Sunday in 2013, and I don't see... I don't see Barbara here. Barbara's sister, Franny, passed away. I spent that Palm Sunday evening with her family in Claremont, um, at the common man, after we left the hospital. And Bar- uh, Franny was the first person as a pastor that I had seen every Sunday who had passed away. And my heart just broke as a young pastor. I just thought, 
I just I went into a deep grief at the loss at, at the loss of Franny. I mean, we all did. The whole church did, especially those of you who knew her so well, worked with her at female charitables, and in various other ways in the community. And then that week, I had to write an Easter sermon. I had to write a sermon about a triumph over the grave. I had to write a sermon where I felt that my responsibility in that sermon was to make sure everyone felt like there was no darkness anymore, no grief, everything is good and happy and celebrating. Christ is risen. Alleluia. And I just wasn't feeling it. I was so deep in my grief. I remember when I, I had, I had the, there, still during that semester, I would spend, I would spend the night in New Haven. And that semester, I actually spent a couple of nights. And I remember staying really late at the school on one of these, one of these empty classrooms, just trying, trying as hard as I could to write a sermon that got me outside of the tomb. And I remember that Wednesday was the day that I had to preach it to my peers. And I showed up, and it turns out I had written four sermons um, all in one. That was one of the feedback things that they gave me. Um, and there were some of them were pretty good, but I, I had to cut to one just for that coming Sunday. But that what they told me, I remember in that sermon I said, it's, I was reflecting on this, in this story, you see the women, you see the disciples, and they themselves are having such a hard time with this idea that it couldn't just all be over, that it couldn't just all be heaviness and darkness. And I remember being like, that's me. I feel that. I'm squinting. I'm squinting at this passage. Well, I preached it for my class, and the, the reaction that they gave me was, Joel, you never got out of the tomb. I said, that's a good response. That's helpful. I think there's a reason for that. And I spent time that week wondering about that. I spent time that week trying to reconnect with that deeper, deeper truth, that deeper reality, that death, that sadness was keeping me from. I remember preaching that Sunday and feeling like in some small way I'd been able to get out of the tomb. <laughs> but Easter is a complicated time because Easter is a time when we celebrate the victory over the grave. We celebrate peace come into our world. We celebrate all of these promises of God's to renew, to bring new life in the face of decay and destruction, to bring peace in the face of violence. And yet we look around, and all it seems at times that we see is evidence of destruction, evidence of apathy, evidence of sadness and grief. Some of you are there today. You're like I was on that very Holy Week 2013. Maybe someone you love has recently passed away. Maybe someone you love or yourself has recently received a diagnosis of an illness. 
last year, and it was Good Friday that I went to the ER, and I found out that I had an eight and a half centimeter mass in my chest. If I didn't have a problem with Easter already, there it was, staring me in the face in the form of the ER doctor. But you know what? I learned something powerful. And I am learning something powerful. That the sun is still there even when you don't see it. That love is still love even when you don't feel it. That God is still God even when we can no, have no sense or, or confidence that God is there. Maybe you're in the hospital room. Maybe you're in the bedside of someone you've loved so long. Maybe you're all alone at home suffering from the intense heaviness of depression. Maybe you are continually running up against the wall of addiction. Or maybe that's someone that you care for, someone you love. And all you can feel is the inevitability of decay, the inevitability of death. Maybe you feel like your body or the world has betrayed you. Easter is not a denial of the realities of the heaviness of life. Easter is not a denial. Easter, it turns out, is God's own resistance to all of those forces of decay and destruction. God's own cosmological no to all that tears apart, all that does violence on soul and body. Easter, David Bentley Hart, a great theologian, writing today, writes, Easter, and I should say, I want to introduce this, I read his little book, which I recommend to anyone. It's, it's theological, so take that into consideration. You'll read it slowly. But he wrote a book called Doors of the Sea, and it's his response to the tsunami that ravaged Indonesia in 2004. As a theologian, he was asked, why did God allow this to happen? It gets right to the question of Good Friday, the question that sits on the hearts of everyone who opens their eyes and ears and hearts to Good Friday, to the Holy Week experience. Why would the innocent have to, why would the most innocent and good man be nailed up to that tree? At the heart of our faith is a cross that asks the question that is in your heart, in my heart, in your mind, in my mind. Why, oh God, is there grief and destruction? And David Bentley Hart says, Easter is a moment. It's a moment of defiance. It's a moment of resistance that God says, I created a creation. I am creating an earth and a cosmos that is to bring joy and glory into the universe. Those forces of freedom and chaos that go against God's good desire are not God. God's own self came into the cosmos so ravaged by destruction and decay. And on that cross took upon God's own self 
all of the heaviness, all of the grief that we carry and experience now, that you're experiencing in this week, that you will experience in the next weeks, months. God has borne our griefs and brought them into the tomb. There's a tradition of Holy Saturday being the harrowing of hell, where God goes into the depths of Sheol, the place of death and decay, and says, I am liberating all of you from these forces at work in your lives. God says to the creation, to the cosmos, I am liberating you. Karl Barth describes Easter as a victory. It's like in the end of the Civil War. Someone, history buff, the last battle in the Civil War. Come on, I know there's someone out there. John was just doing a crossword puzzle. I don't want to be wrong because I get embarrassed about that, but I think it's that, well, the treaty was signed at least at Appomattox, right? Okay. The treaty was signed at Appomattox. Did that stop the fighting? No! And so many battles, especially before the internet, so many battles continued to be waged after a treaty had been formed, after a victory had been accomplished. And David Bentley, oh sorry, Karl Barth writes that Easter is like that. Easter is a victory that God has won in the cosmos. It is an eternal yes that God has given in the midst of our forces of destruction and decay, in the midst of our sin and doubt and death. And God has said yes, God has said life, God has said love, and we are still living in a world that has yet to fully react in keeping with that victory. There is a spiritual ongoing skirmishes after God's eternal yes. And so I read that book right after I got my diagnosis because I was asking those heavy questions. And I remember getting to a part in that book, and this was after Easter, but it spoke to me so wonderfully. He writes, Easter, the event he's talking about, Easter, God's own taking on himself that death, that grief, bringing it into its own death, that life might be the final word. Easter utterly confounds the rulers of this age and in fact reverses the verdict that they have pronounced upon Christ, thereby revealing that the cosmic, sacred, political, and civic powers of all who condemn Christ have become tyranny, falsehood, and injustice. Easter, he writes, is an act of rebellion against all false necessity or misused authority. All cruelty and heartless chance. I felt the heartless chance in those words. It liberates us from servitude to and terror before the elements. It emancipates us from fate. Isn't that a great line? Easter emancipates us from fate. It overcomes the world, he writes. And this is my favorite line. Easter should make rebels of us all. Oh! I started a gaming account to play a game with some friends on my, on my phone, and my, my, uh, my game handle was Easter Rebel. 
Because I wasn't going to let that cancer be the final word. That force of destruction, that resignation to fate, is not what Good Friday and Easter are about. This is no coincidence that Jesus rose from the dead on the weekend of Passover, the great liberation from slavery. Because slavery is that spiritual experience that death and destruction and the forces of violence and decay had the final word. That is true slavery. But true freedom, true freedom takes root in the heart like this little green blades rising in the, in the lawn we sang about this morning. Like the flowers emerging from winter's death, the true freedom is that love of God which cannot be defeated, which in every heart can overcome all of the forces of sickness, sadness, anxiety, stress, that God is with us even when we don't feel it or know it. Eat now and into eternity is the Easter victory that love will overcome, that love will heal all wounds, that every sorrow will turn to joy, that weeping that tarries for the night will turn into joy in the morning. We will go out perhaps with, with tears, but we will come home, we will go out sowing tears, but we will come home bringing the sheaves, bringing the sheaves that we talked about a few weeks ago. Easter is a time not of denying the sadness and the heaviness of our world. It is a time of celebrating God's eternal yes that defiant and resistant yes to all of those forces in the form of God's unbounded and undying love that reconstitutes me every time I fall into that pit again. Grief is real, and so is healing. Sickness is, heal, is real, and so is recovery. Death is real, and so is resurrection. We who have come from God and are made in God's good image, born of God's good earth, will return to our Creator in a great reunion and resurrection that our joys and laughters in this present day are only a drop in the bucket. There is an eternal glory that we experience now in part and then in full. And it is a glory that is God's own resistance to all of that chaotic energy, all of that sadness and grief that can weigh on us. Winter is real. Spring is God's eternal yes. And we have a sign here in this room of a love that knows no bounds. As Paul would put it, when he's trying to emphatically press home this point. And I've shared this with plenty of person at their deathbed. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors because of the one who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us finally from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That love is the final and truest reality. And we need every year to get up at 6 a.m. or whenever you get up Well, you're up before 6 a.m. to get here at 6 a.m. And we need to proclaim Christ is risen because that's the truer reality than Christ is dead. We need to proclaim that God is love because that's the true reality that so much of our experience of God's absence. And we need to tuck that in our pocket. If we can't feel it today, tuck it into your pocket and bring it out. And say, I know I can't feel this now, but I trust that God's love will overcome I know I'm feeling depressed now, but I trust that through the help of doctors and friends and nurses and good care, I can heal. Because the love that is at the heart of the universe is the God who on the cross was not overcome, but rose again. And therefore we have joy. Therefore, we can also come out of the tomb. Maybe we're rubbing our eyes and we don't believe it because the women seem like they aren't, aren't really re- based in reality. We've never heard of this. But it's true. Love is real and healing is real. And I'm living in that reality. And I invite you to join me there now and into everlasting life. Amen.